Hello, and welcome to another episode of Observe and Report. My name is Jason Simmons. Sitting across from me, as always, Jack Smith. Hello. And this is Observe and Report. This is the show where we watch things and we tell you how you feel about them. We are in the middle of summer. Normally, we watching blockbuster movies. Oh, but yeah. But those don't exist anymore, so... <laughs> <laughs> We're just telling you what we've been watching on streaming things. To TV we go. <laughs> on, on Netflix and your HBO Maxes. Mm. Uh, hopefully they've solved that debacle. Um, and the things that aren't going to be around anymore. <laughs> um, so yeah, you know, we're going to watch some things. We've watched some things. We're going to tell you how we feel about them. Let's do it. Um, uh, yeah, sure. Why not? I'll start off. Um, I watched a very cool movie mm. that uh, I... New existed. Uh, it's from the makers of the movie uh, Unfriended, uh, Searching, uh, starring uh, John Cho. Oh, yes. Very from, handsome gentleman. Yes, from 2017. And and watching this movie just made me feel like, John Cho, why aren't you in more things, right? man? Like, I watched it with my sister, and we both like, what the hell? Like, he's so good. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's like a dude. He's in Star Trek. Like, he's so good, but he's not in anything. Yeah. And he really gets a not gets a chance. He really does a great job in this movie. Like, and this is the first thing I feel like that he's really like helmed as like the leading, like the main character. Mm. Guy. He's usually just kind of a side guy. Yeah, like he's like a part of an ensemble cast yeah. usually. But um, this is like it really is like you know his thing. Um, there's another movie of his that I've been trying to see for like, the last few months, but I just it was on Hulu and it went away uh, called Columbus, where he's like a professor. Like, oh, I wanted to see that. Yeah, yeah, like it's very slow drama. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. but. That aside, um, searching was really cool. Um, the the conceit of the movie is that it's all being you're looking at the at the movie through screens, essentially mm-hmm. through uh, phone screens, through computer screens, and uh, like you know how terribly relevant, how very relevant. It's very much a quarantine movie. Yeah. Um, and the way that you're looking at the 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 rooms and the people, you know the the it just it was very engrossing. It's like mm-hmm. oh, I don't think I've ever seen anything like this before. Um, and the, 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 the way that they're doing it is like, it's all official programs. You're looking at someone's like windows desktop. Mm-hmm. Then you're looking at like an Apple desktop. Like, you know, you're looking at, uh, iChat or mm-hmm. yes, it's iChat. Um, sorry, I don't have an Apple device. <laughs> um, and just like, you know, people's relationships with their technology and like all the information you could find out mm-hmm. on someone, all the information that, you know, is hidden from you. Um, or the, the face that is kind of that you present to the, the persona that you present to the world yeah that's which can be very curated and uh the, the basic premise of the movie is that uh john Cho plays a, a father to a girl that has gone missing um and in her disappearance it's like the, the the week following that and it's him searching her life essentially like the life that he didn't know that she had like the hidden life that you know kind of all kids have from their parents mm. Um, in the Mine was not very. I was <laughs> very lame. I was home all the time. <laughs> we know what she's up to. Ugh, what she'd get out. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> and I was the same. <laughs> like him, I know where he is. Yeah. <laughs> Reading. <laughs> Nerd. <laughs> um. But yeah, like it was. Uh, it was really engrossing and as he unfolds more and more about like this girl that he thought he knew. Mm-hmm. Um, and the big thing that's hanging over both of them is that his wife, her mother died mm-hmm. like, you know, um, a few years ago, mm-hmm. basically right at the start of high school for her. Mm-hmm. And like her high school years have just been like, 
they've not really talked to each other. Mm. And, like, he's learning. He's kind of getting a really quick refresher and catch up on who his, like, daughter is. And all the things that he doesn't know about her. Um, And outside of that, it is, like, a mystery. Mm. Like, there's lots of intrigue and twists and turns and, like, very... Not very twist heavy, but there's like one or two twists where it's like, ooh, didn't see that coming. Like mm. that, that was a pleasant surprise. Nice. Um, and Deborah Messing plays like you know uh, oh, the nice. detective that's like helping him in this case. Interesting choice. I yeah. like that. Um, I was like, oh, I haven't seen you anything but like the the Good Wife. Like you, she's still Grace. She just got a different job now as a detective. <laughs> Things happened. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was. Um, it was fast paced, like the movie's only about like an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just really enjoyed it because I just not, it was so unique to me. Yeah. Um, I want to see more like this, I guess. And it felt like this was an expensive movie given the, uh, <laughs> the all the officialness yeah. of it. The fact that all these programs, like that's all licensing fees that, has totally. to be, that have to be paid. And it's not so much, you know, we're actively watching an actor like move a mouse on the screen. This is all animation that's being done. So they're recreating oh, the look of all these programs. Okay, like, you gotcha. know, they're animating a mouse and like mouse clicks and windows opening up and like resizing. And it's like, wow, like this, there's a lot of work that went into mm. this. Um, and a very small cast that's a part of it. Like you have like four main actors, one of whom you don't see for a lot of the movie because right. she's missing. <laughs> um, it was just like, wow, this reminds me that, you know, film is cool and you can do a lot of things in it. Mm. Like movies, movies are fun, guys. You know, <laughs> like, who knew? You know, but yeah, you know, it's not fun. <laughs> Some movies are not <laughs> like the Phantom Menace. Oh, and Revenge of the Sith. Oh, oh, oh still, you still don't know. Still don't know. Let's get into it. Let's. I mean, <laughs> so, Granted, I watched them a while ago, but mm-hmm. like my first note under The Phantom Menace is just ish bagish. So you watch it out of order. You watched Attack of the Clones to like kind of go along with Clone Wars while you were watching that. I watched it in, um, I mean, I guess it's out of order in terms of how the movies came out, mm-hmm. but they made sense in terms of the overall the overarching huge star wars universe storyline okay yeah um yeah so i finished the because i had finished the clone wars i then went to watch the phantom menace um i guess yeah this one um i could have watched before because i didn't there was one part where he darth maul pops up again in the clone wars and he had spider machine legs, and I was like, "What is happening?" Yeah. And I, because I watched Phantom Menace, I was like, "Oh, it's because he got chopped in half." Yeah, yeah, just sliced right <laughs> and in half. Fell down a large hole. In the coolest part of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> um. The. This was the one I had seen before. Um, it might be the most played Star Wars on television. Yes, like, I think it is. Given the time that it came out. This like, is the one with the little kid. Yeah, yeah. Jake Lloyd as uh, Anakin Skywalker. Right. Um, I can't remember it now, but I said it was had weird pacing. It was really boring. It's so long. Yeah. <laughs> it's a really long movie for like no good reason. Yes. Um, the, Pod racing, Jesus Christ. And like to be fair to that little kid, granted, I don't think anyone like no one's gonna really criticize a small child's performance. People did, and it was really shitty. Of Here's them. the thing: 
Like, the dialogue for him was terrible. He was doing... Agreed. A, he was a small child. B, he was doing the best he could really with was. what he was given, which was garbage. This is so wizard, Annie. Like... Uh, 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 now, I, this is pod racing. I still say that jokingly at many things sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> when something's, like, really good, I will say that. <laughs> well, now I will, too. Um... Jar Jar Binks makes me want to light things on fire just to feel something other than hatred and loathing for him. Uh, I mean, um, and no disrespect to the actor. He's, again, doing doing his best. But where where is the, the director or producer saying, like, we got to tone this down? <laughs> I mean, like, the character, he's just, he's Mr. Magoo. He just, like, yes, that's a great description. saves the day. And you're just like, no, but you're not stable. Like, you should, <laughs> you need help. And, like, you shouldn't be left alone to your own devices because all you do is fuck things up. It's yeah. insane. Yeah. You make every situation worse by being He here. makes every situation worse and then somehow, quote, like, saves the day. But really, he's just kind of making up for the horrible mistake that he's made earlier that people may or may not realize is his fault. He's like a middle manager at a job. He just he's keeps falling ass backwards into, into success, despite doing nothing to any situation. just me, Jason. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> but, like, yes. <laughs> he's terrible. And the fact that she, like, fucking takes him on, like, no, he's an idiot. And he keeps falling ass backwards into success because in the second movie, he's a senator. <laughs> it's insane. This <laughs> I don't know if that's supposed to be a, a scathing review of American politics. <laughs> was it Nero who tried to make his horse like? Yes. He's the horse. <laughs> he made it in. He tricked everyone. And just like, is no one else seeing this horse here? <laughs> There's a horse here, guys. In the Senate. He keeps shitting everywhere. <laughs> and nobody seems to care. Um, Qui-Gon Jinn's death is super anticlimactic, I felt like. Hmm. Um, yes, as an adult, you're right. As a kid, I was like, no. <laughs> yeah, I just, again, because of the pacing, I was just like, oh, You're totally right, yeah. <laughs> oh, this is, okay. Um, and he mm-hmm. was such, like, he's a major character, so I was like, I feel like this should have been more, or maybe the music should have built, something should have been built up more. What's weird in, like, the world of Star Wars, like, you know, like, for a Jedi, death isn't really death. You know, people always right. come back and pop back in and stuff like that. But you never see Qui-Gon ever again i'm sure there's some deeper universe in canon up, explanation for he that pops but. up in clone wars oh as a force ghost yes surprising okay yes because it's actually him doing the voice which i was very pleasantly surprised and that's by. wonderful I'm, I'm i would recognize those dulcet tones anywhere i'm Jason. very happy when people play ball yeah. and like come to clone wars like the animated stuff and like we'll do voices totally. yeah I feel like it's an easy payday for like two hours worth of work. Yeah, yeah. Like it's Oscar Isaac day. shows up in a series later on, and so does Gwendolyn oh, Christie. That's nice. Like, cool, man. That's I'm glad that everyone's because everyone's a fa- everyone that is in these movies is a fan to some degree yeah. at this point. Um, Kieran Knightley plays the decoy. Yes, and I liked her so much more as if as if she if she were the actual. Sen- senator if she were really princess amidala yes okay because why interesting i realized that again to, through no fault of natalie portman's um bless you thank you and it might it's probably 
this weird kind of reverse sexism, but Keira Knightley's voice in that is much lower, and it has a more commanding kind of presence. Uh, yeah, it is. It's a, weird. They, but it's unnatural, like... but it's just like it's com- it's confident. It's mm-hmm. confident and like we need to do this, blah blah blah. Whereas Natalie Portman, when you hear their voices next to each other, it's a very high like Annie. Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. You're just like throw yourself off whatever high building into space, please. And I just, it's so, it's not a leader. And I just, I don't trust you. Mm-hmm. I don't believe you. Well, you're as much of, as a kid as Anakin Skywalker. She absolutely is. And she's like his big sister. Mm-hmm. Which is weird. A, you're a leader. I want you to act like one. B, you're going to end up having it's his weird. child. So gross. Get out of here. You're like five to six years old. I don't old want you to take care of him. Mm-hmm. So I just I liked Kira Knightley. If <laughs> if we're in this world and someone and they each gave a speech, I'd be like, oh, I'm going with Kira Knightley because even though her voice sounds kind of weird, she sounds much more confident than this lady. So what they did with that is it is voice modulated. That's like re-recorded stuff gotcha. and like added in there, like because yeah, they did that to give her like a queenly like stately tone. presence. Yeah. yeah. But like, what? In in my mind, what? Because everyone who's seen this movie has rewritten it in their head a thousand times. Right. What I would have preferred is if you made if you aged Anakin up, and you aged, if they were all about Obi Wan's age, like which is like supposed to be yeah. like nineteen twenty, and like wait, Obi Wan Kenobi in that movie is supposed to be nineteen or twenty. Yeah. Like forty year old or like maybe mid thirties to late thirty year old Ewan McGregor in that movie is supposed to be twenty. Yeah, yeah. that yeah. is <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> he has a beard. What? He doesn't have a beard in that movie. In the first one, he's like oh, the, the little what? ponytail. I'm thinking of um, um, Attack of the Clones. Wait, who are you talking about? Uh, Obi Wan, Ewan McGregor. I think I'm thinking of Clone Wars because it's a character in Clone Wars. Oh, yeah. Clone Wars, he has a beard going on there. Um, but in the very first one, he's got the stupid little rat tail. Yeah, that's horrifying. <laughs> it was disgusting. So, yeah. He's like, if you just made them all the same age, yes. it then implies a whole, you know, we were supposed to be brothers. Like, yeah, we were about the same age. Like, and, and I wasn't like your weird stepdad at some mm-hmm. point in time. And also, like, maybe you could have done something with like, a little weird love triangle there of some kind with, like, Padme and Obi-Wan and Anakin. And, like, maybe that's a reason why... I would try to kill my best friend and my wife. That's why it works better in Clone Wars because in Clone Wars, I feel like basically Anakin's like 25 and Obi-Wan's like 35. Right. Like that makes sense. They're old enough to be peers ish. Like she's the same age. Like it all makes sense. Mm -hmm. But in this, I was just like, you guys are all over the place. Yeah. It's weirdly staggered in the ages and whatnot. Um, and there are cool looking things that happen in this movie. Someone described it as like, this movie had to run. So like, a, this movie had to walk. So like something like Avengers could run. Like this is like one of the first. Are you quoting it, yourself? Cause that's what you said last time. Did I? Yes. Oh, okay. Well. <laughs> a great man once said. <laughs> <laughs> because like, you know, it's like the first use of like digital, uh, not photography, but like, uh, kind of like using CG oh, on a grand scale. Definitely stuff that looks really cool. Anything, anytime they're out in space. Space And they're looking great. at spaceships and stuff. Mm-hmm. It looks awesome. It's just, you know, I, I don't really honestly like the design or look of things as much. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I don't know why. It all just, yeah, I don't know. No, that's, that's fair. It all has a, anytime you see people, I'm just like, you guys have a sheen of Canadian on you or something. <laughs> it just doesn't, it's not all there for me. Mm, sorry, Canada. Like, uh, but yeah, in that movie, I just, I just really like the lightsaber fight at the end when they got the whole laser doors and then people getting sliced. Yep. Though the music kicks in, like, yeah, when Darth Maul kicks that door open and it's like, what's up, bitches? And like puts out one lightsaber, then the second one, it's like, fuck yeah, let's do this. <laughs> like, even now, I'm like, I get excited at that scene. But the rest of the movie, yeah, I don't really need it. Yeah, no, I fast forwarded through some of it. Um, for Revenge of the Sith, again, some things just lend themselves more to the animation. Like, General Grievous looks really cool in the Clone Wars animated series. Yes. In the movie, it's weird that a robot thing is like a general and it like it's completely out of nowhere. It 100% is and just this the two mediums and universes for whatever reason, it really works in one and it's cool and in the other it's insane. <laughs> Grievous works really well in animation. Uh I mentioned it to you before, but there's like a Clone Wars series that happens before the 3D animated Clone Wars series. It's like 2D animated. Right. And Grievous is in that and he's very threatening and cool and mm. dark and mysterious. And then we get to the movie, it's like, what is this weird toy that I'm looking at? Yeah. Like, it's just, ugh, really dropped the ball there. I honestly don't remember the rest of the movie. Um, and I don't have any other notes. I just got through them and now I'm watching star wars rebels Mm -hmm. um and i'm not nearly as into it as clone wars but i will say the animation is a little bit different yeah Mm -hmm. um it's kind of cool like when they um when they do more close-ups on the faces it there's more like not texture but there's more detail there Mm mm-hmm and sometimes it has, this is very specific, and I don't know, I don't think you're going to understand what I'm saying necessarily, but when girls get spray tans, <laughs> when they come out of there, a lot of times it'll be like speckly, because mm-hmm. you're essentially painting a person. Um, and sometimes it looks like that in the animation, and I don't know if it's trying to make it look like it's partially drawn or something. There's some details there that were not there um, in the clone war series but i'm enjoying it generally i think there is a level of that in um star wars rebels mm-hmm. for sure like uh, the animation design has changed a little bit yeah. from clone wars to that uh, to signify that like you know it's a different studio doing mm-hmm. it different people doing it they want to make it look similar to that mm-hmm. but there is a, a like a, a not a painted style happening but more of like an arty style happening yeah there's more, it's not quite comic booky there's more cell shading happening and whatnot yeah like yeah it's tangible i don't know the right terms and stuff but yeah mm-hmm. especially i see it more on the ships personally like to me, like some of the uh, the designs of the ships are like a bit more like oh, like that looks a bit more hand drawn mm. than like three uh, D animated entirely. Yeah, I um, like it. But yeah, it's it's different for sure. It's still it's a little bit of the same formula of just like you have this young person who's new to the Jedi game and whatnot coming in with a group of people, and he's a little annoying. But I'm gonna stick with it. Uh, a little bit of trivia: the main ship uh, from that show. Mm-hmm. Uh, appears in uh, the Rise of Skywalker when all the ships 
come in from hyperspace to help out at the end. No way. Um, it's a little cameo. Like, hey, that ship is like also one of the ships that shows oh, up. Oh, I'm going to have to rewatch. That's awesome. Yeah. Very cool. I forget what the Revenant? I forget what it's called exactly. I can't remember. Um, one thing. Uh, I've, I'm good. Okay. <laughs> that was Star Wars Corner. <laughs> uh, something else I watched uh, that I hadn't seen in a long time. It's the 20 year anniversary of it. Mm. Uh, X-Men. So I rewatched the first X-Men movie from the year 2000. I get all of those movies mixed up in my head. What, what is the plot of that one? Uh, where so the plot of the first one is Magneto wants to make uh, humans into mutants, and they go okay. to Liberty Island, and the big fight happens there. Okay. Um, it's people look so young in this one. Yeah. It's so weird to see. Um, hearing the story apparently of how like uh, Hugh Jackman got the role off of a recommendation from like Russell Crowe. Really? Like <laughs> it's like. They wanted Russell Crowe to be like, I'm not doing this, but I know a guy who will. <laughs> <laughs> Which sounds like an absolute Russell Crowe thing to do. Yep, 100%. Um, but it's it was it still holds up for me. It still holds up. It's like the first Stan Lee cameo. Well, okay. it's not the first Stan Lee cameo, but it's uh, first one in a major motion picture. Okay. Um, he plays a hot dog vendor. Oh, that's adorable. <laughs> but uh, there are really good performances that happen in it. Like it's it's weird to think of the whole, all the Brian Singer stuff happening at the time. Mm. Um, it's, it's a really well done movie. They're, they're like the, the stuff they do to introduce you to characters is like, man, that's, that's good. You really get across the feeling of these characters like right away. Is this the one with Anna Paquin and he kind of, he drops her off at the school? Um, yes. Or something. Okay. This is with Anna Paquin and Hugh Jackman, uh, James Marsden, um, Famke Jansen. At the end, is she, is she tied up to something? She's in a Paquin is attached to this machine. Yeah, okay. At gotcha. the top of the. There's Statue so of many X Men movies. I just it's I been cannot, twenty years of them. Yeah, I cannot <laughs> keep them all in my head. It's twenty years of them. Uh, half of them are good. Half of them are bad. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I've seen almost all of them. But okay. You don't need to see Dark Phoenix. We I haven't established that before. I did not see it based on your um dislike of it. A movie that I described as a death march. I mean X Men <laughs> Apocalypse was truly terrible. Oh, that is trash. Oh, Absolutely. Boy was that bad. Um My heart broke for Oscar Isaac. And X three is also not good. <laughs> really not good. X three. Uh with uh that's the first one featuring uh Ellen Page. Um Oh, yeah. Where she runs through the walls to get the little kid yes. who can take away the power. Running from Vinnie Jones, who's yes. playing the Juggernaut. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen that movie multiple times. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Why'd you do that to yourself? It's just been on television. <laughs> I don't know if I've seen the whole thing. I know I've seen it in full at least once, and then mm-hmm. I think I've seen like various bits because it's been on television. And it's always at least that same end part where she's running through walls and Vinnie Jones is being an idiot. Mm-hmm. Delightful. <laughs> Um, and yeah, I mean, this, to this movie helped, I think, introduce Patrick Stewart to a generation of people that like didn't know him from Star Trek. Totally. Uh, helped introduce me to like Ian McKellen, like, and I think a lot of people to Ian McKellen in general, Mm -hmm. he would then do, it's like, this is a start for a lot of people. And then like the next year, everyone would do like crazy things afterwards. Like as far as like movies, like, uh, Halle Berry would win an Oscar the next year. And like Ian McKellen becomes Gandalf the next year. (laughs) Like, it's just people's careers, I think, really blew up from this movie. Hugh Jackman becomes Hugh Jackman. Like, 
all these huge things. His I think, muscles have never been the same. He was so skinny in this first one. Like, he is such a human being in the first movie, opposed like the muscle monster he becomes mm. by the time we get to like uh, Logan or the Wolverine oh, God, or something yeah. like that. Like, yeah, it's just it is it is pleasant to look back at that and just remember when the scales were smaller and mm. these weren't the movies that ruled summer. Like, this was just a fun movie to see. Um, there was no expectation for a sequel, although they totally set one up in a really cool way. Um, yeah, it was just, it was fun to look back and re- remember a time where this wasn't what all movies looked like. Yeah. I, um, I think this is the only one of, like, granted, I watch stuff all the time, but, um, I think most of my stuff is clearly skewing toward, um, like, fantasy stuff, because, again, I just want to get out of the world that we currently live in. Mm-hmm. But this is the one, like one of maybe two like very dark things that i watched um i watched season two of the alienist colon angel of darkness oh i didn't realize season two was out in its entirety yet yep they did it weird they did it in like two episode chunks there were eight episodes total mm-hmm. and they each came out two episodes at a time I so don't it only why. came out a few weeks ago right yeah huh maybe a month or two ago um i'm not sure why they did that um, but I still, it was still ridiculous. I still enjoyed it. Um, this time it focused on Daniel Brühl's character the first season, but this season, um, they focus on Dakota Fanning's character. Interesting. Okay. Um, she has opened up her own detective agency and it's just her and a bunch of ladies, which I'm super into. That's cool. It okay. is in no way realistic, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> she, um, it's a really dark plot and I don't I've just seen a lot of dead baby stuff recently oh gosh and so this one is like the main plot is this baby is found dead and another one has been kidnapped and so they're trying to find this other baby um there is zero levity to this show it is just all darkness (laughs) (laughs) it is just like sad people getting more sad messed up people getting more messed up it's just bonkers oh god so i was just like why does this show feel so different from all shows the plot is dark it's literally filmed and like it's very dark and no one smiles (laughs) zero smiles to be found in this show i think of that show i think of the colors blue black and gray because like that's like the palette of it i think of like black gray and red because there's always blood everywhere (laughs) good god um there is a character called gugu Knox, and i was just like gugu nuts gugu Knox. And this isn't The Sopranos you're watching, so okay. He is a gangster. Okay. And I was just like, that's a great fake gangster name. I'm into it. Okay. Um, but again, like the first season, there are storylines that just don't go anywhere. Hmm. Like the A storyline is the one about the baby going missing. Then there's this B storyline, which is woven in with the babies of this guy who runs, this doctor who runs this um, hospital for... Um, basically women who are unmarried who are having children and he like 
they tell a lot of the women that their babies, they like knock them out and tell them that their babies have died, even though they haven't. Oh, so they're doing some baby trading. They are selling babies. Like, I don't, but they never get into it. Huh. Like, you know, he's nefarious. <laughs> Which I feel is a word that can only truly be used in this series. Yes. He like, and he comes in and out and like one of, um, bless you, like, like some people like the bad guy ends up working at this hospital but like the nefarious deeds of this hospital and this man you never really like get into it and like why they're doing that with the women and like it's this show loves to create a storyline and then do nothing with it that sounds very lost ish it's so annoying Hmm. So I have no idea what the deal with Dr. Marco is, aside from he's an asshole. That's an okay name for a villain. I'm lying. M-A-R-K-O-E. Ooh, the K makes it sinister. (laughs) (laughs) Marco. So, I mean, I enjoyed it enough. Um, uh, I don't think there's going to be a third season, Hmm. um, given the way that it ended. Um... Given the, I guess, and also, I guess, every company now is kind of in a holding pattern as far as, like, development totally. of things. Um, but they were really, seemingly, like, really gung-ho about the first season. I don't know if There they, was huge, yeah. there's a huge amount of advertisement for it. Like, the marketing crazy. for it was crazy. Yeah. They did not do that this time around. Granted, part of it, I'm sure, or a large part of it is COVID. But still, I don't know why they put it out the way that they did in the two-episode chunks. Um, it was very odd. The show is weird and dark, but I was still in it for the ride. A large part of that is because of Luke Evans and how beautiful he is. Mm-hmm. Um, and those three piece suits, Jason. I mean, it's it was tailoring right for the time. is still <laughs> solid on this movie. No TV show. Um, so if you're okay with really dark plots and stuff and you want kind of a mystery, I guess check it out. It's something to scratch the itch, I guess, kind of. For me, it was, mm-hmm. you know, and while I walk on my tiny treadmill. <laughs> a short walk for a lot of nothing. Kind of. <laughs> Whatever, it's fine. What uh, else you got? Um, speaking of babies and uh, <laughs> baby things, mm. Um, I watched a really pleasant, interesting, and enjoyable uh, documentary mm. on HBO Max mm. um, called Expecting Amy, uh, about Amy Schumer oh. and the birth of her child okay. um, and the road to that. Okay. It was really, really good. Um, it's three parts, um, all about an hour each. Okay. Um, just kind of talking about like you know her leading up to the pregnancy. Like It starts out with her just saying, like, I guess I'm pregnant, and then the three episodes cover each part, you know, the conception, the gestation, and the birth. Um, conception like not her actually conceiving but like her at the start of this journey of like being pregnant um she was like you know very famously like touring while being pregnant like which is one super difficult to do but um she was also very sick while being pregnant and touring um she had a very specific uh illness uh gosh i forget the name of it Mm. but uh, i did not write that down i'm an idiot um she had a very specific illness at the time of doing it um related to like you know birth and it's just like whoa how are you doing this you just feel so bad for her mm. having to go through this being so ill and also 
just road dogging it and yeah. going to city to city to that city. That would be hard enough on a perfectly just healthy non-pregnant person. Yeah. Let alone while something is purposely just draining your life forces. Yeah. And it's like two births happening at the same time. You see her creating and crafting like, you know, uh, her hour long special that she's going to do. Mm-hmm. And also like, you know, dealing with like, you know, becoming a mother at the same time. Uh, and she just comes off as so damn charming. Like she's, it's not like she's always on, but she's just always really just, she's just sharp and funny and like a naturally funny person. You know, I really don't like her stand up, mm-hmm. but I really do like when I see her in conversation with people, just mm-hmm. like on a talk show or something. I think she, most of the time she's really funny and playful and fun. Mm-hmm. I'm really torn on her. I I feel like if I knew her as a person, I would probably like her. I just find at least her past stand up I have found to be very trite. Mm-hmm. And kind of like, oh, you say the word pussy. How crazy. Like, I don't, I'm not really a fan, but I do like her. I've, I've come around on her after a while. Which, okay. I really, I mean, I enjoy Trainwreck and stuff. So. Yeah, like, I really enjoy her movies, mm-hmm. and, like, I want more of that. And I like her stand-up. Like, it's very, to me, it's funny. Mm-hmm. But, like, I enjoy her movies a lot more. Um, I thought Snatched was really good. Um, surprisingly so yeah. I didn't expect anything from it I was like this was really solid um, but yeah they, they just like the different problems that happened in her life throughout the course of this pregnancy mm-hmm. or like discovering like you know her and her husband discovering at the same time that her husband is like you know on the autism spectrum mm-hmm. and just like oh like how interestingly that they deal with that as well in this totally. documentary that's not just about her and the baby it's like about her the her family, family yeah. yeah and they go into like you know her, her history of like her mom and her dad her dad getting MS and all this stuff it was just like, huh, like, it's, they're showing you so much more of a person that I didn't expect to see. Um, okay. Maybe yeah. I'll check it out. I saw it, and I was just like, ugh, I don't know. But okay. Yeah, it, it's it's worth your time, and it's good. Um, for At least I liked it a lot. Nice. Um, one thing I'll just say about HBO Max in general, mm. it's... It's weird and it's changing. Like Warner Media is going through some problems. Um, insofar as they're trying to get rid, they're trying to cover not cover up, but reduce the debt that they have mm. in general. Um, so they're not making as many things. Uh, they're shuffling a lot of things around. Um, the DC Universe subscription service that's probably going to go away, oh. and they're going to shift all that over to HBO. And that makes sense. I mean, why? The money I imagine it takes to support two separate two platforms, platforms when you could just have it yeah. in one. That makes sense. Like they're consolidating a lot of things or canceling a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Like they've DC Comics, they've gutted pretty much, and like that's not going to be published the same way that it has been before. Oh, like they've canceled a lot of things, fired a lot of people. Oh wow. So I don't know. It's going to be weird on this streaming platform hmm. in the months and years to come. I have been impressed with how much stuff they have on there. They've got a lot. Um. Yeah. <laughs> when I was scrolling through movies just A to Z and I was just like, I'm at I and I am exhausted. <laughs> and I just called it a day because I couldn't anymore. Um, I <laughs> I don't know why I watched this movie. Um, and I only have two notes and one of them is in plate. It just says, what a gorgeous mess. Insane cast, colon, and that I wrote no one down. Because I'm a jerk. I don't. I watched Clash of the Titans. Oh, the first one. I don't know. 
the, with, with the one where they where Liam Neeson releases the Kraken. So yeah, Sam Worthington. We've seen this in theaters together. We did? Yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry. My memory of our friendship is terrible. But to be fair, my memory of most things is terrible. <laughs> I think I enjoyed it more this time around. Okay. Um, because it was just a ridiculous, essentially a monster movie. It it yeah, it, it is the it's a remake of a of a of a monster movie, and it's fine. It's fine. I had no real issue with the first one. Um, it moved relatively quickly. Um, I don't have much to say about it. <laughs> Sam Worthington finds out he's a half god, and he's uh, he's gotta go do some stuff. What is it again? Um, stop the Kraken. Oh, the Kraken comes eventually. Oh, he has to save. So someone, oh, a bunch of villagers like make the gods mad. And yeah, so they're breaking stuff. They're like, <laughs> yeah, they tear down a uh, big statue of Zeus. Fuck and, Zeus. Yeah. And Zeus is like, hey, <laughs> rude. And then he gets Hades, who's played by another. It's Liam Neeson as Zeus. And I forgot who plays Hades, but it's like big time actors. And so Zeus is like, go bully that town. They were mean to me. (laughs) Your brother, Zeus. Yeah. And so Hades is like, great. I love to bully. And he goes to this village and is like, guess what? Either you have to sacrifice this really pretty lady or we're going to destroy you. And then um, Sam Worthington's whole family was just annihilated by uh, <laughs> Zeus and he's pissed so he's like well guess what you're not His... sacrificing that lady here's how we can destroy Hades let's go on an adventure and yeah that's what they do that is what it is that is true uh, Ray Fiennes plays Hades that's right and this is totally Ray Fiennes just preparing to be Voldemort there are a lot of similarities <laughs> seriously between his performance as Hades and his performance as Voldemort well by this point he was already Voldemort this one was like from 2010 oh so times. he was just phoning it in yeah why wouldn't you get the paycheck on this one <laughs> but Voldemort doesn't show up for a while into the Harry Potter series though by the time we're in 2010, though, the series is, like, done. Really? Yeah. Those movies end, like, 20, uh, 2011, I believe, is, like, when the last one comes out. Like Again, 20... <laughs> no idea. Okay. Well, then, yeah, he phoned, he sat back, he did about three days worth of work and called it a night. <laughs> and it was great. But you're right. Everyone is in this. Like, uh, mm-hmm. Liam Cunningham, who was, like, the Onion Knight on, Ga- on Game of Thrones. Yeah. Luke Evans is in it. Uh, yeah, he Mads is. Mikkelsen. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Gemma Arterton, uh, Alexa Devalos. Um, yeah, a lot of folks are in a this A lot movie. of people who you'll recognize and be like, I don't know that person's name, but I've seen them in at least three things. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I watched that, and it was the monster movie that I wanted. And I actually enjoyed it more than I expected. The, so there's a second Clash of the Titans movie? Yeah, there's a two. And then that one's in a desert or something, right? I forgot. Yeah, like there's a you forgot there's like a sliding maze that they're in at one point and they're like fighting like a i know i hated that movie i do believe we also saw this in theaters probably (laughs) it was it was a quick turnaround i think i left angry it was like two years like we're back baby clashing again (laughs) i'm like why (laughs) but i guess we'll go (laughs) (laughs) jc you want to go so i can forget that this ever happened 20 years later i got nothing to do in march sure (laughs) 
gonna have to watch the second one now to see if I still hate it. I'm more curious about the second one because I don't remember it that well. The mm. first one follows the plot of the original pretty closely. The second one, it's like, why are we clashing again? I really forget. Like, I forgot all the gods got angry again. I just realized that Luke Evans was in that first movie for three seconds in the background. Really? Yeah, he doesn't do much. Huh. It was a waste of a Luke Evans in a toga. That, that is a waste of a Luke Evans specifically in a toga. That's, yeah. Get more out of that. Agreed. For but, everybody. Yeah. I'd like to see some of the uh, stuff left on the cutting room floor, because I bet you he looks great. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I watched and was really like impressed with uh, Richard Jewell. Um, which recently came to uh, HBO Max. Um, Richard Jewell, the story of the uh, the accused bomber of the uh, of the nineteen ninety six Atlanta Games. Mm. Um, yeah, this was a movie directed by Clint Eastwood. Came out last year, like around uh, December twenty nineteen. Oh, okay. Um, and yeah, it's just it's a biopic essentially of the the guy that was accused of this and like how his life was just put under assault. Yes, I remember the trailer for this now. Okay. Like, it's something interesting about Clint Eastwood movies. Like, they, the movies that he directs, they feel like they get very little marketing or advertising for them. They always come out, like, around Christmas time or, like, you know, early January. And it's just like, well, oh, shit. Yeah, I guess I guess he did make a movie. And I guess it's out. And I guess it's doing really well at the box office. Like, they generally do well at the box office. Interesting. They generally have good critical acclaim. And, like, people just tend to kind of forget they existed. Like, American... <laughs> <laughs> Like, American Sniper came out a couple of years ago, but everyone was like, oh my God, American Sniper, it's so good. Now, people have kind of forget that movie exists. It's, it's a Bradley Cooper movie. I don't, because <laughs> it's constantly being presented to me on various platforms. Really? Like, Watch this movie. <laughs> That's what I get for watching Extraction. <laughs> Punishment constantly. You might also like this. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's got a crazy cast, like Kathy Bates. Um, Ooh, I love a Kathy Bates. Sam Rockwell. Um, Great. Who else is in this thing? Olivia Wilde, John Hamm. Oh shit! Uh, John Hamm plays a real jerk, like, and he's really enjoyable to watch in this. Actually, uh, an FBI agent that's really trying hard to pin this thing on. He looks Richard like Jewell. a real American FBI agent. That man for does. sure. He's doing a good job in that role. Um, and Paul Walter Hauser plays Richard Jewell. He, um, you you may have seen him in a uh, Black Klansman. Mm-hmm. Um, or uh, or even the Five Bloods. He's a frequent Spike Lee collaborator. Who does who he play in Black Klansman? Um, one of the inept Klans uh, people um, that that uh, Adam Driver interacts with pretty often, like the the, the larger guy. Um, I know I'm gonna recognize him. You'll recognize him as soon as you see him. Um, but yes. yeah, he he does a great job in this. Like you, he really subsumes this this character that you you feel bad for like you you'd feel a lot for like the, the whole crux of the movie is like you know did he or did he not do this um and yeah he's a stickler for the rules like this is a guy that like you know you feel is like chasing glory in some way shape or form and you as a viewer are, are also asking the same question that everyone else is like did you do this like if you did it just tell me <laughs> like it's it's a, a an in, it's not a mystery per se as much as it can be like a courtroom procedural sometimes okay um, Sam Rockwell's really good in it, like He's always good. as a beleaguered lawyer. Oh, <laughs> um, that's an interesting new role for him. Kind of, he's a little, he's jerking it up. He's being a little bit of a jerk, okay. but like he can get like man, he's working his ass off for his client. Um, it was I, I I got way more out of it than I thought I would. Um, it was surprising to me. I was like, yeah, I like this. This is good. Okay, I would recommend it to people to watch. 
does the movie seem to take any type of stance as to whether it thinks he is guilty or not? It, it tells you exactly what happens historically. Oh, okay. Like, it, it does give you, like, the full facts. Um, and it's just, it's surprising. Like, it's a, it's a story that I'm surprised isn't talked about more. Hmm. Like, it's a potential act of domestic terrorism that, like, just not got swept under the carpet, but people just it fell out of their consciousness. Yeah. And what's weird, factually, like, that bombing happened, and, like, the next day, it's like, okay, game's back on. Like, we're not stopping. <laughs> like, wow. These are the Olympics. Like, yeah. we, we have to figure out who's the best. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, like, I get it. There's a lot of money in it. There's people train for four years, and, mm-hmm. like, this is their one time. And as terrible as it is, I do kind of, I can see why. I mean, you would think they'd pause for at least a couple days, but, you know. No. Like, I, I wish the movie got a bit more onto the side of, like, the Olympic Committee and, like, mm. what happened there. Yeah. Like, how does a organization as big and as prestigious as this deal with something like that? But they don't talk about that at all. It's really just about the person's life. I mean, I guess because it would be like a Godzilla movie where there are just a lot of people in conference rooms with large yeah. amounts of paper in front of them being like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, let's talk about Godzilla and not about what we do about Godzilla. Yeah. Exactly. Um... I watched season two of The Umbrella Academy. Did you? I also watched it, yes. Let's discuss. How did you feel about it? Oh, I think we're going to have differing opinions. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, again, I have two notes for it. Um, But I actually enjoyed it more than I thought I would Mm because I wasn't like, they advertised the shit out of it. Yeah, they put marketing behind it for sure. It was one of those things where like, I'll get to it when I get to it. Um, but once I started watching it, I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. Mm-hmm. I liked the pacing of it. I actually think I liked the season more than I liked season one. Mm-hmm. Just because you, you had the backstory, so you can just kind of get into it. Even though this is, in a way, partially a prequel, kind of. Kind of, yeah. Um, but... Um, yeah, I'm trying to remember it now because it was a couple weeks ago. Um, I liked that Ben was a little bit more involved, even though he still gets sidelined a bit. He's my favorite. He's I really like him, too. And I am excited that, spoiler alerts, they set it up for him to hopefully be more involved in the next season. Because mm-hmm. um, I think he's a really cool and sweet and interesting character. He got like little to no screen time yeah. in like the first season, you know, totally. except for like little flashes here and there. And in this season, he actually felt like a character. Yeah. And like, I, I liked it. Just felt nice when he was there. It's like, yeah. what, what do you have to say? Like, yeah. Um, yeah. I I liked the season, um, but I liked season one more. I think um, because it all felt a bit really fresh and new. Right. Uh, and in season two, it felt like they, they hit a lot of the same beats of the first season. Totally. Um, you know, the the whole premise of, like, the world's going to blow up again. And, like, we're the cause. It's like, oh, it's kind of hoping it was a little different, mm. uh, the threat this time. Um, also, yeah, there were, some, there were some costuming choices that I didn't like. Oh, like what? Uh, for Diego, like, what's going on that with his facial hair and hair? Yo, like, I, that wig was it terrible. Threw me off every time I saw it. There's no, <laughs> like, like there's just no good reason to have his hair like that. It's not good. Like, just, like, <laughs> why are we doing this? And I felt bad for the actor because it meant he had to go and like get that put on every, every day. day. 
and look like, in the mirror and it looks horrible and he's like a handsome gentleman yeah why are you covering up his beautiful face like he i took it personally <laughs> <laughs> um credits to the guy that plays number five the kid that plays number Jason, five so much is put on him and like he you forget like you're watching a little kid. This guy's like 15, 16, like. And he was, what, 12 or 13 when he started? Maybe? Yeah. Like, and he's, I find him, aside from Ben, like, I find him to be the most interesting and compelling character. And, like, I enjoy his acting a lot. Um, and his general bossiness of just, like, you idiots need to get your shit together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, number five, they do. You seem like the only one trying to get this done. <laughs> Um, I really, I really enjoyed his character, especially even this season. Um, but also like, it's weird because he is an assassin in that, in the last or second to last episode where he just has to go into a conference room and just murder a bunch of people when he picks up the axe. And I was just like, oh yeah, <laughs> where's the, I need this mute button. Stat. <laughs> um, it's just like oh this is very intense um but i i really enjoy that character i really think that kid is super talented and mm-hmm. he does a great job with that role there were elements from the first season that reappear a little too heavily for me um for instance ellen page's character her storyline in this is pretty much exactly her storyline from the first season yeah. like i don't know who i am i don't know i have powers like i'm in love with someone that i probably shouldn't be in love with Oh no, here are my powers. Oh no, it's hurt this person that I, I think I love. I found her storyline to be not very compelling at all. Uh, it was sadly the weakest part of the season for yeah. me. Um, also, the hitmen in this season, like the three Swedish brothers. Yeah. Big snore. Big snore for me. I, Same. Give me Black Mary J. Blige and the dude oh from Mindhunters. Yeah. At least they, they had were like, like characters. Yeah. Whereas just not like these three pale men showing up with machine guns and stuff. It, it was like three Michael Myers or Jasons showing up. It's like, okay, they're yeah. menacing and Dutch or Swedish <laughs> rather. Excuse me, Dutch people. Yeah. All our Dutch listeners out there, my apologies. <laughs> um, but it just felt like, oh, you guys are so nothing. And like, yeah, there's no personality there. Mm-mm. Yeah. It's, to start with Mary J. Blige and that other guy, and then to go to that, it was just like, oh. Yeah, like this is a step down. Yeah. <laughs> um, I did really love. Um, oh God, I can't remember anyone characters names. Um, the other woman. Oh, uh, Allison. I loved her husband. He was very sweet. I like that dynamic. Yeah. And I kind of wish they had gotten. They did a decent job of kind of focusing on everyone's. Like, they focus on everybody, but they don't. Those characters don't necessarily do much. So, like, there's screen mm. time, but, like, with Klaus, I was like, this is just kind of, like, yeah, a waste. Like, he's a really fun actor to watch, like, even though I'm pretty sure that's just kind of him in real life. Yeah. But, like, <laughs> he's still fun. He's still very charismatic. Um, I was heartbroken for Allison and her husband. I want to be like, oh, you found love. Yeah, and I got to leave that. Yeah. That's, that's, it was heartbreaking. Yeah. It was really heartbreaking. I like that there was like a control, like someone who's like observing the weirdness of all of this and mm. be like, what is going on here exactly? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, like, what the fuck are you? What? Yeah. Yeah. Um, they get a bit more into like what their dad might be or is. But you still don't really know. Yeah. 
And I just want to be like, is this like a lost where you don't really know and you're just stringing us along until you have to get backed into a corner and give me an answer that will probably not be entirely satisfying? No clue. No clue. <laughs> also, Diego's character is still just an annoying dick. And I want to be like, can he... Like, he grew a little bit, but like, you don't really know his personality. He's just angry all the time. Mm-hmm. And I want to be like, can we... Like, I want more insight into him, like... Why is he so angry? I know he's angry with his dad, but I feel like I have a better handle on all the other characters, but he is still just motivated by anger and there's not much else there. Like, he had the actual chance to meet the person his quote-unquote mom was based on. Right. Like, give me more time with that. Yes. That would be considerably more interesting if we just did that. But, I don't know. Like, they kind of gloss over it for the action parts in those sequences. Yeah, I would have actually liked that mom character to be more involved and see her role in this before presumably she was made into a robot i guess um i i yeah. think the character that had some of the most change is luther like yeah from season one to season two it's like he's a lot more al- aloof and just like not the it seems like the weight of the world that isn't so much on him in this time around yeah. like he's willing to let some shit go and just like oh i really still love allison but you know what she found somebody. I'm going to try to just deal with that as best I can. And maybe I, like, clearly five is more in charge. I don't need to feel like yeah. I have to lead this group yeah. so much. Like, he can take the reins, and I just mm-hmm. need to kind of protect him. Yeah. Like, I'm nice. willing to listen. I'm yeah. willing to, like, take some direction. Which yeah. was, that's good character movement for that character. Yeah. I like that. I liked, I definitely liked his character. He was more likable this season. Yeah. Because you got to see him more as just a... Uh, sweet damaged man boy yeah <laughs> yeah I agree. as opposed to just this like hulking thing um yeah there are better parts and not as great parts i generally i was surprised by how much i was like oh i'm just i want to keep watching this and mm-hmm. actually like finish it out yeah. well yeah like uh again as i talk about it more now with you i'm enjoying it more <laughs> as i'm like reliving it in my head um you're welcome <laughs> Um, other things I've seen. I I won't talk about them in the same breath. I'll, but I saw two things featuring one of your favorite people, <gasps> um, Paul F. Tompkins. Oh, PFT. Um, I'll talk very quickly about Brockmire season four. Oh um, God, there was a season four of that yeah, show. Yeah, it's been four seasons. I don't know anybody who watches it. It's just me and like another guy <laughs> in Florida. Like, <laughs> uh, I'm I'm impressed and just at the amount of money they're willing to waste on two guys. Uh, very nice of them. Very generous. Um, but, you know, Brockmar, um, I've talked about it briefly before. It's the story of Hank Azaria as this cantankerous uh, baseball announcer. Um, and he has a lot of growth over the series. By the time we're in season four, he doesn't drink anymore. He's, like, completely stable. Season four is weird. Um, it's ostensibly a show about an announcer, but they it's set... Season four, we've jumped 20 years into the future for some oh, reason. Oh, my goodness. And it's... While it is about baseball, it's also about slowly how an artificial intelligence is taking over the world. What? Yeah. <laughs> and it's weirdly predictive and like, well, yeah, there was a disease in the 20s that like, you know, caused a lot of people to like get fevers and die. Like, oh, oh, how how predictive hmm. of you. <laughs> um, and yeah, about, it's about how baseball is dying and like, it's so weird. What is the general plot of that show? Is it just... About Hank Azaria and his life? Uh, a disgraced uh, announcer is mm-hmm. trying to get his shit back together to get okay. back to the major leagues. Okay. And 
by season three, we're back in the major leagues, but by season four, we've jumped into the future. We're dealing with weird future stuff, but it's also still really funny. Um, he has a daughter. Um, he's finally connecting with her, like the daughter that he nice. had left in the Philippines all oh, these God. years. <laughs> yeah. But like she comes to his doorstep um, and the show jumps time even within they that season. Do. Um, and like he's like a great dad. Like he Aww. like really loves his daughter. And like oh, it's nice. <laughs> and to, like and they talk about their relationship. It's just like you are codependent on your kid. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's great in talking about family dynamics and relationship dynamics while still being funny and still also being really like a Futurama-y talking about the future. It's a lot of things happening. It's six episodes. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) It's so weird. Is every season six episodes? Uh, It's, they're relatively short, like six to eight episodes. Okay. Um, Half hour, an hour? Half hour. Oh, okay. It's really digestible. Um, But Paul F. Tompkins shows up as the head of the players union and he is a seersucker suit wearing, tap dancing, handlebar mustache having like huckster. That is, he's he is just loving every second of this role. I can see it. Nice. <laughs> it was made for him. It is a role absolutely written for him, and he is fantastic and annoying and wonderful. Nice. <laughs> I love it. Um, and I guess I'll talk. And it's over. There's no more Brock. Oh, Meyer. okay. It's, this is the Did last. Did you season. like how it ended? Yeah, it was very touching. Nice. Um. And very quickly, I'll also talk about, I said I wasn't going to, but I will. That's fine. Very quickly, uh, Lodge 49. Uh, two seasons and it's over. Um, Lodge 49. I talked about it very briefly before, like months ago. Yeah. But uh, it stars, uh, goodness, uh, I can't remember his name. Uh, I have written down here. My guy, Wyatt. Uh, Wyatt Sinek? No, um, oh. the son of Kurt Russell. Oh, Wyatt, Wyatt Russell. Russell. Yes. <laughs> oh, of course. Uh, <laughs> Um, Wyatt Russell, Paul Giamatti, um, and a cast of many other misfits. Okay. Um, it's a sense, it's a story of a wandering kind of loser that gets involved like a Masonic Lodge and opens them up to like a whole new world of possibilities. Okay. Like the show is very small in its dealings, but showing how those small connections and interactions can like really be meaningful to people and how they can a richer life is possible through like connections that you have and maintaining those connections. Like it's really nice and quaint. Um, it's it, a, a big theme of the show is how the mundane can just be like fun. Hmm. Like you can, uh, a simple thing is not just always a simple thing. Like it can mean so much to someone. Um, and it's just good. It's just really nice and cute. The last Three episodes are like, feel like a movie. It's a bunch of, it's every character, these misfits, just running around Mexico looking for these scrolls and getting into hijinks. <laughs> like, they break into an auction, like, that's run by Paul F. Tompkins. Love it. And, again, wearing suits, talking down to people. He is enjoying every second of it. I love that he's getting all these little acting roles. Because yeah. whenever he does pop up in them, he's great. He is really fun. Um, and... Yeah, these these wonderful misfits that are the cast of this show are really good. You could tell you are all having a good time. Nice. Like it's a comedy. It's really fun, but it's nothing extravagant. What is the general plot? General plot: uh, a guy has lost his father. Mm-hmm. Um, he and his sister are really close, um, and they're just kind of like lost in life. Like they okay. don't have anything other than each other. Really, mm-hmm. like she has a a ton of debt and a job she hates. And he has no job, was bitten by uh, a snake, 
and like has nerve damage in like his foot because of it. Didn't see that coming. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, and they're just kind of struggling in life, but he walks into this lodge one day. I'm like, you know, uh, because to get like get out of the rain mm-hmm. and like makes these connections and like almost this prophecy, quote unquote, is like coming to pass. We're like, okay. oh, this guy's gonna bring this organization into the future, and. And we're just like, that's dumb. Why are there prophecies? That's silly. Like, he is seems this... like a nice guy. Let's let him join. Who cares? <laughs> is this HBO? It's on AMC. It's on Hulu. Oh. And it's over. <laughs> 20 episodes and that's it. Okay. Um, each about an hour long. It's, I hadn't even heard of the show until I was just bored on Hulu and flipped it on. I was like, what's this? Oh, it's that man I'm scared of. Oh. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> did you? Weren't you I cheerful was of him? Terrified of him. <laughs> like I can't meet this guy in real life. I want to be too scared. And then like seeing him on the show, like he seems like a nice human being. <laughs> That's really funny. Um, but yeah, those those two shows are over. They're both on Hulu, uh, and both solid watches. Nice. Yeah. Um. Again, I don't know. I do know. It's because I just wanted to be transported to a different world. Mm-hmm. Why I chose this one, I don't know. Okay. I watched two Chronicles of Narnia movies. Oh, okay. <laughs> Which ones? Prince Caspian and Voyage of the Dawn Treader. I never saw Prince Caspian. And all there's there's a little part of me uh, that feels like I'm I'm missing something in my life, and maybe it's not seeing Prince Caspian. I was really into the first one. Hard. I saw that and Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire on the same night. Oh my god! <laughs> I went to a theater and saw both of these things, and I was like, "Fuck yeah, magic's awesome." <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I wish I could see you just wander out of that theater and just with a new lease on life. But um, please tell me Prince Caspian and what I'm missing. You're missing a very handsome Ben Barnes. Oh, is boy. he Prince Caspian? He is. Okay. The funny thing oh, is... he plays a bad man in Westworld. Go on. He does. <laughs> and I was like, I know I know your face, but he's so young in these. Um, but it's funny because in Prince Caspian, he has like kind of like... Uh, almost like a Spanish like a Spanish accent, accent, right? He is full English in Voyage of the Dawn Treader. <laughs> I don't know what happened in the kingdom, mm-hmm. but he's been hanging out with a bunch of uh, English blokes, and <laughs> he's gone full English. Um, that sounds like a very cockney or, or a breakfast thing. I want the full English, please. Yeah, it's full English. Oh, yeah, full English breakfast. Oh, yeah, yeah. okay. <laughs> um, so the weird thing about these movies, there are many weird things, but like these children, like... They murder humans. Oh, yeah. That's true. <laughs> Small children murdering human adults. In Dawn, because they're fighting pirates, right? That's, no. Oof, they kill. So, <laughs> who haven't they, Jason? So, in Prince Caspian, uh, the plot is, Prince Caspian, uh, he, his uncle... Uh, has has a baby son, so the uncle's like, "Oh, I want to be king. Want my kid to be king. So we're gonna murder Caspian." Caspian runs out of there, is given a magic horn, blows the horn, and here come the Pevensey children. Oh, 
Um, so they are going to help. He doesn't know that Narnia exists because he thought it was just kind of a fairy tale. Um, and so he's in Narnia. He meets Peter Dinklage because that's what you do when you go to Narnia. <laughs> um, and uh, so the four kids come along and they're going to help him take back his kingdom. So which and he promises to then create a peace between his kingdom and Narnia because oh, they were shit. You blow my mind here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'll tell you why <laughs> i thought caspian was i thought he was a part of narnia i didn't realize that there were warring kingdoms and narnia mm-hmm. was a kingdom all of its own mm-hmm. go on yes I'm very intrigued. um so then it just uh becomes you know narnia versus uh the what do you call it telemarines is what they're called oh okay um there's a lot of like um, self-righteous teenager shit. Mm. Um, There's a lot of that in these movies. <laughs> listen, that bullshit got some minotaurs killed, and I was real upset about it. <laughs> How dare you? Get your pride out of here. <laughs> At one point, like, because there's obviously a lot of CGI with animals and stuff. They're coming back from their battle. And there's a little wolf limping in the background. I was like, God bless these animators who are like, listen, we got to make one of them limp. They just came <laughs> back from battle. Clearly, they're not going to be striding in confidently. Mm-hmm. Um, Eddie Izzard is a Reaper Sheep the Mouse. Huh. Okay. it's a good choice. And I was on my little treadmill walking, watching this. And then I was like... I think that mouse's name is Reepicheep, but I also might have just totally made that up. <laughs> and I was like, where did I pull this name from? And then I was right, and I was like, yeah, Smith still got it. <laughs> I'm very proud of myself. And I was like, I know that voice. I think it's Eddie Ethard. Um, So, I mean, it was a perfectly fine movie. Mm-hmm. Pretty classic setup of, like, bad guy. Here we go. Um, But... Shout out to Tilda Swinton for reprising her role in both this and Voyage of the Dawn Treader. She only shows up a little bit, but still her every single time. Because Dawn Treader, she's like a cloud or something like that. Like she becomes. She's a little wispy uh, thing. Like an, a shadow of herself, essentially. Of, of the of the queen. Kind of, yeah. Okay. Um, she's always floating around somewhere. Mm-hmm. Tempting. Yeah, <laughs> always shine. She no longer has a Turkish delight, so Dude, no one's going to listen to her. Nasty as candy. I don't know why this boy was tempted by Turkish delights. Yo, if you get the right flavor, <laughs> how dare you? It sounds like Tilda Swinton has tempted you with Turkish delights. Yeah, I fucking love it. But like when it's like rose water flavored, no. But Ugh. if you get, get just like a fruit Ugh. flavored, it's I love a gummy thing. Mm. And it's super gummy and I'm into it. Okay. I stocked up on that in an airport one time. <laughs> I just ate it all the way home. It was great. I recommend it. Anyways, <laughs> so then the Dawn Shredder, Jason, this movie starts out in the best way possible for me. There's a painting on a wall. Mm-hmm. It is of a large boat in the sea. And then water starts coming pouring out. This. Yeah, yeah. And then it fills up the Roman house. It's like, yes, all day to this. <laughs> Water infiltrating places it shouldn't be. You, yes. The thing you enjoy. Oh, yes. This is the thing you do enjoy. This Water infiltration. Yes. <laughs> and that's what it was in your home. And then you, all the water comes up and then you swim to the top. Boom. You're in the ocean. 
in Narnia. This is my dream. <laughs> That's what I want. Um, so that was great. Um, there's a very young Will Poulter. He looks like a baby here. It's he surprising. Is a baby. He looks like he's 12 years old, but like he had to be older than that. It's, he had a hard growth spurt at some point in time. Yeah, because he goes from like five feet tall to like yeah. a giant. He does like meet the, where the Miller was like two years later or something like that. <laughs> Like, so maybe he was like 14 or 15 I here? guess yeah I think he was probably playing like he was 12 yeah but he was still like enough of a baby face and like short enough that he could pull it off puberty hit him like a brick wall Jesus <laughs> <laughs> I feel uncomfortable talking about that another a young boy's puberty um, but uh, but he's acting his little heart out he's, yeah he's really good in it yeah he turns into a dragon great love it um so, oh, I just wrote Caspian is looking good. That's not a helpful <laughs> note. That's not a helpful note, Smith. Um, um, I mean, it does get real heavy into the Jesus moments. Yeah, Aslan comes back in he this does. one, right? He always does. Jesus, yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, and then he literally, like, parts some water. I mean... Did I tear up when Reepicheep takes off his sword and then just decides to go to heaven? Yeah, I did, Jason. <laughs> I went on a journey with that little mouse. And I was heartbroken. Like, um, in this one, well, there were, some, there were what, how many, eight books in the Narnia series or something like that? Uh, there are quite a few. There's quite a few, yeah. I remember having a, a bet with someone just saying, like, they're going to do all eight movies. Like, <laughs> it will be done by, like, 2020. Like, and now Jason is broke, and it's really sad. No, I never said that. I oh. bet it against it. Uh, <laughs> like, no one loves magic that much. <laughs> like, they're not going to do eight of these movies. I would totally see all eight movies. I would, too. But, like, I know they wouldn't bet no, that yeah, hard no. on them. Yeah. They didn't do well enough. Mm-mm. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised they even did three. I thought there was only two. Same here. Um, so I was very delightfully surprised when I finished Prince Caspian and realized there was a third one. I was like, <laughs> here we go, baby. But then I couldn't find it anywhere because that was not, um. Yeah, would you watch these on? I rented the Dawn Shredder. Eh, don't be shy about that. That's, that happens. Um, the other one was on one of the platforms because one one studio made the first two, and then another one did Don Shredder. Okay. Hmm. I didn't realize it, that, that shows you how much they didn't believe in the property yeah. if they sold it off after the first one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Huh. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I, uh, aside from the heavy Jesus stuff, which I knew what I was getting into, that's fine. Uh, I did generally enjoy them, and I think as, like, kids' films... That's fine. Yeah. I, I like that like a thing of the series is that like, you know, the older you get, you can't go to Narnia anymore. Yeah. Like That's uh really but the third one, like the Pevins most of the Pevensey kids couldn't go anymore. The older Only ones. Only two of them, yeah. Yeah. And then you find out that um <laughs> spoilers for Chronicles of Narnia, the Dawn Shredder. <laughs> um that's not a sentence I thought I'd ever say. <laughs> um when the two kids who are there find out that they won't be coming back um i was very sad and then oh that's what made me cry is when eustace and reepicheep became friends and then when reepicheep went off to heaven eustace starts to cry and i was crying right along with will (laughs) poulter oh boy 
Oh, that so was a, I, that was a very touching movie. I do remember that. touching yeah. moment in yeah. that movie. I do remember that. Yeah. Um, but they said that Eustace could go back. So here's to hoping five years from now, Will Poulter, <laughs> grown man, going back to Narnia. Ooh, I hope. <laughs> Let's make this happen. <laughs> um, other things I've seen. Yes, I watched. I finally got to watch a movie that I've been trying to see for at least 10 years hmm. um i started watching it 10 years ago and then i had to leave to go someplace and then i never got to finish it oh, no. <laughs> it disappeared from like on-demand services and like was just gone in any kind of free format available to me for years i'm on the edge of my seat um movie little children um from 2006 oh uh, that seemed like a depressing one it is um starring patrick wilson uh jackie earl haley uh kate winslet mm. um and John Connolly. It's got a great cast. Um, I thought it was directed by Sam Mendes because it's really, a lot of it is dealing with like, you know, the uh, <clears throat> the trappings of suburbia are a nightmare. And like, Sam Mendes loves talking about that. Okay. <laughs> and wasn't the case. Um, yes. So like, back to back, Winslet was making some real downers. Like she was. Revolutionary Road oh, in this. Oh, boy, yeah. <laughs> like, real hard watches. Yeah. Kate, are, is everything okay? <laughs> oh, God. Apparently it wasn't, because they did divorce. Her and Sam Mendes did divorce like a couple years oh, after that. Oh, interesting. So it's like, oh, uh, you're telling us something. Glad you got out of there. Mm. Um, both of you guys. But uh, Little Children is a story of, like, you know, people stuck in the ruts of their marriages and motherhood and fatherhood. And trying to escape that in some way shape or form and also there's a pedophile that moved back into the neighborhood oh no <laughs> like, that was not a twist i saw coming <laughs> wowzers and that's like this hanging guillotine like over the entire like plot of this yeah so uh winslet and wilson are like you know uh both married in their own separate marriages uh-huh. uh and find like solacing each other you know uh-oh. as they are uh-oh, just uh-oh. with their kids for the day like mm-hmm. both their spouses are like well wilson's supposed to be studying to become a lawyer and uh winslet is uh like a mom that doesn't have to work because like her husband you know takes care of her or gotcha. whatever although she is completely capable and wants to but just is busy taking care of this kid mm-hmm. and the kids in it are so cute the kids Aww. are really wonderful and like really good actors and like it's it's narrated very well and the narration parts are like just really interesting and introspective like they they t- they do a lot of the work for you as a viewer okay like we're in which you know you'd be watching someone like you know deal with an emotion or a situation that just happened but the narrator is like telling you how they felt and what's going on in their head oh interesting so it's like okay that's interesting like it's will it spoil it if you tell me who the narrator is i honestly f- it well, it's not anyone particularly famous. Uh, like, no, 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 no. I mean, as a character in the story. Oh, the narrator is not a character in the story. It's completely oh, okay. separated. Just, okay. Omnipotent narrator. Interesting. Um, that's an interesting choice. Yeah, or omniscient rather, a narrator. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's just like oh, that's very interesting to do. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, the movie is based on a book, of course. But like, yeah, as I was saying, they are in the marriages. They finally start seeing each other. They definitely start an affair together. That's what happens. Um, meanwhile, this pedophile is like living in the town. Good God. And played by Jackie Earl Haley. Oh, it was God. like, if you had to get someone to do that, you made a good choice. Because he, yeah. And he would later do uh, Freddy Krueger like, oh. a year later. Oh. Like, same, yeah, virtually the same scary character. scary vibe, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, wasn't Freddy Krueger a pedophile? Uh, in the original, he was a child killer. Yeah. In the remake, he's a child, he's a pedophile and a child killer. Oh. Yeah. It's a tough combo. <laughs> like, real, <laughs> okay. statin' on there. Yeah. <laughs> okay um but yeah 
this guy is like living in town and there's a cop who's uh who's a disgraced police officer that's trying to like you know just catch him in the act and he's trying to live his life jackie or Haley, mm-hmm. but like he absolutely does have like issues mm-hmm. and that is very apparent in the way that he interacts with the world and he his mother is just trying her best to like just have her child be normal yeah. her adult his adult mother right, right, is having right. her just trying with her adult son and when she dies like everything just kind of goes off the rails for yeah, her. yeah totally um it's good it's well acted mm. but goddamn, it's a downer yeah i waited 10 years for it and i was satisfied sad but satisfied yeah <laughs> i couldn't yeah i don't recommend anyone seek this out <laughs> per se <laughs> This is a weird itch that I didn't I mean, the scratched. thing is, it looks like a really good movie. Mm-hmm. I just, I remember, I remember, I don't remember the trailer, but I remember being like, oh, that's going to be a freaking bummer. That's not for me, maybe. Even yeah. though it sounds, like, it still sounds like an excellent movie, and that cast is excellent. The whole movie is discomfort, because the entire time you just feel like something bad is going to happen. Yeah. And not just, like, you know, with, like, Jackie Earl Haley, but, right. like, in their marriages. Emotionally. Emotionally, yeah. just like, ah. Oh, Shikes, uh, no. <laughs> but yeah, little children. Um, don't go see it in theaters. <laughs> um, so I also watched something that has been on my list for a while mm-hmm. that I've been avoiding because I was like, oh, this movie is going to make me cry. Um, but I finally was like, you need to just sit down and watch it. <laughs> um, I finally watched Moonlight. Uh, you know, I've never actually seen it. It's fantastic. It's so good. I won't say too much. Um, I was reading reviews of it afterwards, and someone wrote that it's specific and sweeping, and it's the perfect description of it. Like, hmm. it's so specific, and yet, like, I, I actually didn't uh, cry as much as I thought I would, only a little bit, because I think I was just, like, kind of, like, holding my breath the whole time a little bit of just, like, you're just following a um, a little child. I wrote down everyone because the cast is so freaking good. Um, uh, this uh, little boy, he they split up into three sections when he's a little kid, a teenager, and a grown man. Mm-hmm. And so when he's little, they call him little. He's played by Alex Hibbert. He's fantastic. And you just want to scoop him up and hug him. Um, or at least I do because my body wants a child. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then... His name is Chiron, and then Ashton Sanders plays him as a teenager, and he's freaking heartbreaking. And then Trevante Rhodes plays him as an adult, um, and he's fantastic. And he was in something else. Oh, he was in um, Bird Box as Sandra Bullock's, like, guy she ends up with. And I remember being like, ooh, hello. And then, (laughs) even though it is not the point of this movie, when I saw him as an adult, I was like, ooh, hello because um, he is beautiful i know um, him from the predator he's really yes good in <laughs> um and then mahershala ali is in it janelle monet is in it and naomi harris is in it and mahershala ali won the oscar for best supporting actor naomi harris absolutely should have won she really was, she is fantastic and heartbreaking in it like i was like i it was fantastic i did not expect to like it as much as i did just because i 
I have trouble with sad movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also, it was heartbreaking, but also in a way up, more uplifting kind of than I thought I it would be. Um, and it's, there's not a ton of dialogue, but the acting is so good and you just feel for this kid. Um, please watch it because I think you would. It's beautifully shot. I liked all the actors in it. The performances were amazing. It was, it won the Oscar for Best Picture. And um, that famous debacle. Yes. Of, yeah. Which I got through about 10 minutes of La La Land. And I'm very glad that that did not win mm-hmm. because this absolutely deserved to win. It was phenomenal. I was very surprised because I'm not usually a dramas person, mm-hmm. but oof, oof. I watched it last night at like 11 and I was like, oh, it's almost two hours long. I'm probably going to, I probably shouldn't start watching it because I'm going to get tired or whatever. And I was like, oh no, I'm watching this whole movie. And it went by very quickly. Um, and it's just so good. Oh boy. I was really blown away by it. So please watch it because I think you'll like it. I will check it out. Like that's uh, it's like it's always been on like the lists, like the rolling lists in it your has head. Been but for me like, too. Yeah, I forgot. And it's available like on most streaming services it, right now. I watch it on Netflix. Yeah, so Netflix, I believe, is on Amazon Prime as well, which is oh, a rare okay. thing. Um, but yeah, I oh I, yeah, to be on two platforms. At yeah, once. yeah. So I'm I'm gonna check it out. It was beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Um, <laughs> something else I watched that I another Oscar winner. That I was curious and needed to check out just to see. To answer, of course, the eternal question, is Nicolas Cage a good actor? Because <laughs> <laughs> you won an Oscar for it, so I guess you are. Uh, leaving Las Vegas. I Yeah, I have not seen it. How? What did you think? It was 1995, uh, the year it came out. Uh, the story is Nicolas Cage is a uh, Hollywood writer mm-hmm. that is seeking to end his life by going on one last bender, uh, by drinking himself to death okay. in Las Vegas okay. over the course of a few weeks. Um, it is fine. It's enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um, I can see him winning an Oscar for this. Okay. Um, I don't know what else. He, I don't know who else he was up against, what other movies it was up yeah. against. I should have looked that up. But um, it was just one where it's like, yeah, this is a good performance. Like, you're not about you're, when you're bouncing off the walls it's because you have to gotcha <laughs> um because uh, that's your default mode yes uh he's playing across from elizabeth shu okay um and they are primarily like the two people the two lead actors of the movie mm-hmm. she was also nominated for an oscar but she didn't win i believe okay um but yeah it's just a, a look at a man's life and like th- this these two people falling in love kind of mm-hmm. uh over the course of a couple weeks um, okay. There are some really good choices being made by the director as well as Nicolas Cage. Okay. Like, uh, he's slowly killing himself, and you see him get worse and worse over the course of the movie. Uh, one thing he never does, like, it's several times that they sit down to eat, but he never eats, hmm. and it's never addressed. Okay. And, like, it's you would almost not notice it, but right. that's, like, a real thing that happens to alcoholics. It's, like, oh. you forget to eat, like, or you just don't because your body can't handle it. Hmm. And, like... It's just a really interesting acting choice. I'm just like, huh? He's really just—he's just there. He's talking the and entire time. And the fact time. that it really was an acting choice, yeah, which I feel like you don't often see with more recent Nicholas Cage movies. He's, I need a documentary of just <laughs> w- like I need a camera on Nicholas Cage at all times. I just like I have a huge tax bill to pay off, and I need to make as many movies as possible to do it. 
I need to go right now. I want like a run, Lola, run, steady cam, always on him of just him going from set to set, <laughs> like showing up to another set in a different costume he's not supposed to be in because he was like, on, he, he works so much and I'm not sure if it's because he he's still paying off that tax bill or not. I don't know. <laughs> or maybe he just enjoys acting, so he'll just take whatever opportunity comes to him. Maybe. And maybe it's a little bit of both. And I yeah. hope it's a little bit of both. <laughs> you know, I was just listening to um, uh, Conan O'Brien's interview with Jim Carrey on his podcast. Mm-hmm. And Jim Carrey is friends with Nicolas Cage. And I was just like, <laughs> that that's got to be a What's weird room. Like? Yeah. What do you guys talk about? <laughs> and like... I just he didn't say much and I can't I can't even remember what he did say but he also recognizes that he's a bit of a weirdo mm-hmm. and when Jim Carrey recognizes that you're a bit of a weirdo what does that mean and I think that's the thing Nick Cage knows he's a bit of a weirdo <laughs> like he's a guy that gets to like live out all of his indulgences like he, he all of his nerdery all of his like weird things he just gets to like participate in it but what does he even like fucking loves comics he loves like science fiction and like like he loves movies and acting of course and like when you actually see interviews with him and he's like even recently when he sits down like talks like someone and just about like oh like i'll talk about my old roles and all that stuff it's like you're making really good conscious decisions in these acting roles Mm. however what the fuck happened now interesting (laughs) like so uh, it was, I think it was for Esquire or GQ where they like, sat him down and like, talked over some of his most, more famous roles. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like, wow, like this is a very coherent, straightforward conversation on just like, you know, stuff that he's done. Like, oh, Con Air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really enjoyed doing Con Air. Like, and just like him talking about like, yeah, go on six seconds. Oh, so this one thing that I did, right? Like, how are you so lucid about it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I think it is GQ. Like, they go through like, they did one for like Martin Freeman. Yeah. And, like, yeah. I really enjoy those. They're really fun. They're... And you can tell when an actor does not want to talk about something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like when they did Oscar Isaacs and they got to the X-Men movie, I think all he said was that like it was really uncomfortable and then they moved on. And I was like, oh, Oscar, I'm glad we all want to move on from this. So I'll have to look at the one with Nicolas Cage because I am interested. Like I don't. I don't know anything about him as a person. He married Elvis's daughter and he fucking loves Elvis. So it's like, what? Was this adding her to your collection yeah. or did you actually love her? Just like poster bobblehead wife. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, records, guitar. Cool. All right. Weird. Like it's it's so his name is the namesake of Luke Cage. He loves Luke Cage, so he took on the name Nicholas Cage. Like what? his name is Nicholas Coppola. He's Francis Ford Coppola's nephew. Right, right, right. Like, but the acting name of Cage, like, is from comics. God bless him. <laughs> I like him more and more the more you talk about him. Like he's such an enjoyable weirdo, and like he's not a. He's never done anything. Like bad, he's never no. hurt anyone in yeah. his life. He's just a weirdo. He's just weird, yeah. It's like, what do you, what do you do, man? I'm curious about you, real curious. Yeah, because you don't, you don't really hear about him in the news or anything. No, which nothing is why bad. I just, like I don't know anything about him or like what his interests are or anything. It was just like, like I know, I knew David Tennant was really into Doctor Who, and then he became the Doctor, and, and like, that's that's cool. cool. But yeah. I don't know enough about Nicholas Cage. Like, <laughs> oh, this is your interest, so of course you would do 
ex role. Yeah, he maybe was he's really Superman into in the National 90s. Treasure, so he did the National <laughs> Treasure movies. You know, like I don't I know. Consistently assert that the national that the uh, Declaration of Independence that you see in the Smithsonian in Washington D.C. is not the real one. Nicholas Cage has it at his house. <laughs> all right, <laughs> along with like many other curios from history. <laughs> Including Elvis Presley's lead daughter. Yes. <laughs> Preserved in a glass case. Somewhere. Wait. The same daughter who... He only has one daughter, right? Yeah. The same one that married Michael Jackson. Girl. What is your life? Tell me everything. <laughs> did, did she have a kid with Michael Jackson? No. Um, did she have a kid with Nicolas Cage? I think so. Is it the goth boy? No. Goth boy is, uh, has a different mom, I believe. Damn. That's well. Also, that's so interesting. Your son's like a big god. You love him. A, yeah. <laughs> he's so and he's so. Ah, oh, it's so great. You are so different from each other, but like there's yeah. a good unity. I just here. want to know everything. Ah, it's so interesting. And also, Lisa Marie Presley. Like, I want to know everything about your life. She's got to be cuckoo bananas or under several NDAs and can't say anything about anything. Oh God. <laughs> Fascinating. Uh, but yeah, that's all I have to say. That's been cage talk. <laughs> Well, anything else you got? Um, I I rewatched Solo. Oh, okay, yeah, not free Solo. I but, was, <laughs> but Solo the Star Wars movie. Yes. Um, because I was like, I, as part of you know my journey, my Star Wars journey, I was like, I remember being like, you didn't enjoy it the first time you saw it, I believe. Yeah, I was kind of like, eh. Um, and so I went back to rewatch it. And again, my only note is it was fine. Because <laughs> it was. It was fine. I felt like it moved a little bit better the second time around. Mm-hmm. Um, as with everything, I wanted more Tandy Newman. <laughs> mm. um, I don't know. I I think part of the problem is like I've seen the guy who plays him now in like interviews. He's the least charismatic human being on the planet. <laughs> I'm just like, are Alden Ehrenreich? Yeah, just like, are you awake, guy? Like, can can you sit up a little He's bit? Saving it all for the camera. Oh my god! I'm just like, <laughs> where, did they have to just Judy Garland like get you on some uppers <laughs> because when you were on camera because you are just so bull in all your interviews. Like, me um but i mean yeah it was there's not much to be said about it it's fine i think i found that every character in that movie around him i found more interesting than him Mm. i wanted to know more about literally anyone else chewbacca fucking um yeah like everyone um I forget Woody Harrelson's in that movie sometimes. Right? Um, uh, the Queen of Dragons, Mother of Dragons character. Yeah, Amelia Clark. Like, what's, yeah. uh, what's... What happened to her? Because she clearly had to do some shit to get there. Yeah. And, like, has inserted herself in this weird gang, but has some power and is, like, the advisor's girlfriend to Paul Bettany's character, which mm-hmm. is very interesting. I just found everyone else, like, his story was really not that interesting, I like the world it crafted, for sure. Yeah. Like, this other side of Star Wars totally. that's, like, you know, criminals and gangs, mm-hmm. and not so much about, like, you know, the, the big war, or, right. like, Jedi. It's, right. like... And, like, the rebellion. Here are the fringe people. Right. And the fringe things. 
Um, I just, because his story really is not particularly interesting. It's, uh, I escaped from this weird pipe kingdom, uh, and... In, in all honesty, his his problem gets solved 20 minutes into the movie. I want to get the out. money to go back and save this girl. Yeah. She's out. What do you do? Uh, want to be with her? Mm. Try again. <laughs> well, she's not out. He's out. He's He's out. And also... I, I mean, she's free from the, like, the, the slavery of the planet, kind of, well, Corellia. I mean, but she's also like kind of enslaved again in this organization. But he doesn't know that. He doesn't know that. Because the last time he sees her, she's getting arrested. So presumably she's gone off to either back to the pipeline. Oh, no, I'm saying when he sees her again on oh, the... Oh, yeah. Like, his, you, his... You're good. ...storyline is essentially completed. Like, hey, she's That's safe. That's the thing. Like, <laughs> you're, you are trying to present us with this backstory of this character who is so beloved and stuff. And his backstory is he was poor and working for these bad guys. He got out and was part of like the galactic bad guys became a pilot. And now he's smuggling. Like or he just ran into another group of people. Like it's not interesting. I just like, oh, Okay. And like his little adventure, I didn't find particularly interesting either. I, I don't know. I enjoyed his little adventure. I like that he and Chewbacca met in prison. Like, cool. That was great. I'm alright with that. I enjoyed all the. <laughs> I didn't. Tell, I always enjoyed whoever he was with once he got out of there. Mm-hmm. Because they were fun and interesting characters. Like I would have liked more Lando. Cal- Granted, it's not his movie, so it makes sense. But I would have liked. Um, more Lando and his robot L337 or whatever her name is like that's an interesting partnership I love the ensemble like it yeah. really is an ensemble it's, it's the name is yeah. solo but it's really everyone in that cast that makes it really enjoyable yeah like I I, th- I really enjoyed it for that and I had to, and I watched it again a few months ago like because before this movie I didn't know who Phoebe Waller Bridge was right and then Fleabag happens and right. I'm like I gotta go back and watch this movie totally. again <laughs> um, and yeah, I think it's their interactions, like the fact that everyone around Alden Ehrenreich is like so goddamn charismatic. And yeah. also, this movie doesn't have everything working for it because it was made twice at the same time. Because uh, Miller and Lord, Chris Miller and Phil mm-hmm. Lord, were the original directors of the movie. And they made a different cut of that movie. Oh. Different shot things. Oh. And then they had a fallout with Disney, and then they said, we're bringing Ron Howard and oh. want to shoot a whole different movie. Oh. So the movie that Miller and Lord directed, whatever's left of that. I would like to that, see that. Who knows? Who knows what's left of that and where that falls into this? I feel like it would have been fun based on you my... You hire those guys to make Based on comedies. my enjoyment of the Lego movies. Like, <laughs> their histories and animation, like, yeah. they are very funny guys, and yeah. they make funny things. And, like... Solo was funny, but like it was okay. you wonder what else could have been there yeah. had they been able to execute their vision, or what are we really seeing? Because this is like a combination movie of like Ron Howard stuff or Chris and yeah. Miller and Lord stuff, so it doesn't have the most advantages in being able to tell the full story. It does feel just like okay. I mean, I guess every movie is like this, but like. Now we're in this section, and now we're in this section, and here's this. And like, mm-hmm. It is pretty formulaic, like, we're yeah. going, but, 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 but. Yeah. Yes. I don't know. I wanted 
for such an iconic character, I guess I just expected better and I expected more and it just oh, that's fell totally short. fair, yeah. Like I I see exactly what you mean. Yeah. Like it's kinda of that thing where like you have a character with a mysterious past, the minute yeah. that you take away the mystery of the past, it's like, oh well, I'd have thought something cooler. Yeah. And <laughs> whether there's anything that they could have possibly done to live up to that. Yeah, myth, nothing lives up to it. Like fair. Yeah. But I still think it could have been a little bit better. That's fair. That's yeah. <laughs> I I can understand that entirely. Yeah. Um. Oh, uh, this is something that I saw very recently, and I didn't. I was blown away by it. Mm. Um, Fargo season one is really good. I tried. It, I was like, "Oh, this violent show is not for me." Oh, it's real violent. Yeah, very, very violent. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. but oh, uh, Martin Freeman. It's got a great cast. Little pocket-sized Martin Freeman. He. He's amazing on the yes, show. Yes, he is. I've, I don't think I've ever said that about a Martin Freeman performance <laughs> ever. Not that he's not good, but like. But he, I feel like he doesn't often get to stretch his acting muscles as much because he's often just kind of like the sweet bumbly guy or whatever. And this sh- this first season of this show shows you how that person can also be evil and mm. an asshole. Cool. And not a good person. Just because you're nice doesn't mean you're a good person. Mm. <laughs> like. Mm. Like it, it's it very much harps on that. Like, cowards can be nice, and cowards can really hurt people. And this is a an amazing story of that. Um, it follows very closely to the plot of the original movie, the first season. I never saw it. Um, it's very good. It's it's a it's how a misunderstanding can explode into insanity. You know what I don't like misunderstandings. And then the chaos that ensues. It stresses me out, Jason. It's, and I know there's a wood chipper, and I was just like, I'm out. In, yes, the original, yeah. Mm-hmm. This one is less of a misunderstanding and more of someone being implicit in evil. Oh, okay. It's like someone, Billy Bob Thornton, mm-hmm. is essentially, he's really good in this. And I see why, like, oh, yeah, I, you're, there's a reason why you were very popular in the 90, late 90s, early 2000s. You're a very good actor. Mm. Um, he, it, it feels like he's essentially the devil in this. And he gives Martin Freeman a choice. And Martin Freeman just passively makes a bad choice. And how all of this springs from that one mm. bad choice. Um, really good performances by Alison Tolman, who plays, like, the, the cop that's trying to, like, you know stop all of this mm-hmm. and, but she's like the sweetest nicest minnesota girl like you don't and you don't expect her ability as a police officer to be so good given mm-hmm. like you know her humdrum right background in existence colin hanks uh oh, i didn't know he was like challenging channeling his dad nice. it's like you're the nicest man ever you shouldn't be here <laughs> i don't want you in this danger um gosh uh what is oh key and peel uh played fbi agents what that are fantastic uh, maybe i have to go back and watch the show um they're really very good i think i only made it through the first episode oh okay um the first episode for me ended in a way i was like Ooh, i got it. what what happens next doesn't somebody get an axe in the back of the head or something uh a hammer to the i knew head. it was something in the back of the head and i was yeah. like oh boy yeah 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 um it's just I don't want to give too much away to spoil anything, but it's just really good. Um, everyone's doing a great performance. The, the writing on it is so very good. And the, you can see them lightly setting up the next season, mm-hmm. which is, this is no spoiler. 
it's a prequel. Like, oh, okay. They mention like a couple times through it, like th- what's happening in this town is insane. Like, <laughs> uh, Bob Odenkirk plays the, the police chief. Love it. Who's so sweet and nice and like embracing his Midwestern roots <laughs> so hard, but like, and he's like constantly gaslighting Allison Tolman. I just be like, no, like bad things don't happen here. Or like, mm. Martin Freeman couldn't be the killer. He's Martin Freeman. <laughs> <laughs> Look at him, Bilbo. Yeah, like it's no, and <laughs> and just his character arc and like how he comes to terms with things is also really interesting. Okay. Um, but yeah, there are good performances all around. It's uh very surprising. I was just blown away. I didn't. I didn't think. People were telling me for years to watch it, but I just didn't. I mean, it got a lot of critical acclaim when it, it came out. It did. Yeah. Um, this is when FX started doing, not, not when they started, but like this is one of their prestige shows. Yeah, it was one of their, yeah. Um, it was the first time, well, maybe not the first time, but I was surprised about how much I was hearing about an FX show. Yeah, yes. It's like, I, oh, okay. Like, if it's not, it's, it's always sunny. Like, I don't, normally don't hear about mm. it. And even that is like not great praise. It's so I'm like, right. did you see this episode? Um but as I was saying, throughout the series, they dropped little hints of like, this is crazy. Nothing like this has happened since 1978. Like a couple times they okay. do it. Like, oh, this hasn't happened since 1978. And then first episode of season two, 1978. And you don't, ex- I didn't expect that. Like, oh, oh, this is the bad thing. Is oh. this the one with Kirsten Dunst? And- yes. Gotcha. And Jesse Plemons. Yes. Like, I think they met on this. Yeah. It's like, very that's cute. cute. That's nice. It's I like two that. two very pale people. Very pale blonde people. Yep. <laughs> I'm glad you found each other. Jesse Plemons is great. Yes. He's always um, so great in everything. But yeah, that's that's Fargo. And I, yeah, I was really blown away by it. Okay. I'm going to have to write this down. Maybe I'll give it a try again. Just have my finger ready on oh, that mute button. got to have it on that mute button. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> yes. The look of concern <laughs> on your face is very genuine. <laughs> um, The last thing I watched was... um. It just came out recently on on Disney Plus as a documentary called Howard. Oh, I saw an image of that today. I didn't know what it was. Same. And so I was like, I'm going to look into this. Um, It is about Howard Ashman, who um, was the person, the lyricist who teamed up with Alan Menken to do Hmm. Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, like kind of set the blueprint for disney uh like musicals and he passed away from complications passed away from aids okay and so the first half of the movie of the documentary is about his everything uh leading up to his working on those movies um and then the second half is because i what i really wanted to know was just basically kind of behind the scenes of those movies I worked on. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was so incredibly brilliant and it actually made me really want to watch um, those movies again and pay more attention to the lyrics. Um, and he was just, he was like the Steve Jobs of Disney musicals. That makes sense. Um, and he did the stage play of... Um, little shop of horrors that then became yeah, the, that's where they the got reboot of the movie yeah. um, that he also worked on um, and just kind of his days working in theater and stuff leading up to that um, but it was really 
um, interesting about a person who you probably would never, unless you're in that industry, wouldn't know really that name. Um, and how he's kind of a complicated guy, as many like geniuses kind of are. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was very surprised um, when they showed um, footage from when they're actually live recording this uh, be our guest for Beauty and the Beast, mm-hmm. um, and then Jay Orbeck and. Um, Who's the old lady? Oh, uh, Angela Lansbury? Yeah, they were both there. And then, like, the whole orchestra was there, and they just recorded it then. Um, And I started to cry (laughs) when they were recording that. Because it was just... Maybe more for girls than boys. And even though I didn't like that movie when I was a kid, but I liked that song. um, It just, like... I think it was the culmination of just, like, this really interesting really talented guy whose life got cut short um who like really poured his heart into these things and like believed in them and then it came out in this fantastic movie and he didn't i don't know that it necessarily came out when he was able to see it Mm -hmm. he wasn't um so i think it was just like a lot of heartbreak and also this song that i very much associate with my childhood was just like Oh, emotions. Emotions. Oh, they came, Jason. <laughs> I did not expect it about a documentary about this random guy. Um, but it was really interesting um, and touching and heartbreaking um, and interesting in that there is some debate about it. But he wrote a song for Beauty and the Beast. Um, I think, I don't know. I think it's just maybe called The Mob. Um, when Gaston is going to go with mm-hmm. the other villagers and their very stereotypical pitchforks and yeah, and torches, torches. Um, to go get the beast. And he was tasked with writing it. And it also um, happened at the same times when people um, were freaking out about AIDS and a lot of ignorance around it and people were just angry and... Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of hatred toward gay people and stuff. And so they're definitely, um, you could see with, if you were to read those lyrics of just like, Oh, you can draw a line from what was happening in society at that time. Um, and that song Hmm. of people just going out and blaming, um, like a scapegoat. Huh? Some people were like, clearly, like, this influenced this. Another person who was a friend of his was like, no, it doesn't. So, who knows? <laughs> it's hard It's hard to imagine it didn't. How interesting. But it's a very... It makes you look at that movie very differently. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, they had recordings of him uh, singing various songs. He sang singing the song from The Little Mermaid and stuff. Because he just, like... He just pour like pour songs out and he just was like here's aladdin <laughs> with like all the songs <laughs> and stuff it's just like holy shit um so i think i'm probably gonna go back and watch all those movies um but it was really interesting and i think if you i it made me wonder do you have many feelings toward those movies 
or of not the so much. early 90s? Absolutely. Like, how could I not as a because child of like, pop culture? <laughs> because you were watching, like, horror movies when you were five. It wasn't just. I was also five. I was also watching cartoons. I don't know, I don't know your life, Jason. And Nickelodeon and Disney. I still haven't seen those horror movies that you watched when you were five because I'm like, no, they're scary. So. Mm. You can do both. You but also, both I wasn't things. sure how many for boys if it was different because, like. I don't know if they get exposed to like those like princessy films. I have lots of thoughts and opinions on those early Disney films. Oh, like when Little Mermaid hit, like it was a whole change of pace for Disney. Right. Like they were struggling in, in like the mid '80s, like with their animation stuff, because of the fact that like a lot of animators had left. Um, their animation quality was still good, but like a, an animator that had left them, Don Bluth, was like also making comp- competing films that were equal if not better than them things like uh, an american tale five goes west mm. and all that stuff oh, like yeah, yeah, yeah that was really like you know coming for disney's you know bread and butter mm-hmm. and like menken and um i forget his name so sorry um uh, howard Men- How- they yeah. these two guys turned Ash- it around for them yeah like little mermaid and their music for it specifically like what's jason apparently you don't need point. to watch this documentary because <laughs> this is all stuff that i learned and how like the animation studios was like a couple miles away just in a shitty like whatever area with like yeah it wasn't like, part Florida, of like the <laughs> fancy campus of disney and stuff yeah like yeah the animation part of disney was like it was again kind of like the idea house like yeah, yeah those are the things that we'll fill our parks with like yeah. but it wasn't this whole entity in and of, in and of itself yeah. so like little mermaid hits and does gangbusters i believe it wins the award for like you know uh, best animated yeah. film um and they won for under the sea i think they won great best song, song. <laughs> um and then they move on to do uh, Beauty and the Beast, which, of course, fantastic. Mm-hmm. I don't like that movie that much. Me neither. Um, I prefer Aladdin, which comes out like you know, a year or two after. Yep. But I won't deny that it's a great movie. Like, it's really well done. Very um, catchy songs. Very catchy songs. Yeah. Um, and I, what you said about the, the the mob song. Yeah. I find that interesting. It, par- it parallels, like, the idea of uh, Freddie Mercury. When he wrote the song Who Wants to Live Forever for the movie Highlander. <laughs> <laughs> um, there are many people who are like, well, that song is obvious about him, you know, coming to grips with the fact that he has HIV mm. and like, you know, like that he won't live for, for very much longer. Yeah. And, you know, like it's this very beautiful, lovely, big ballad. Mm. And then people are like, no, he, he wrote about a song about a dude that could live forever <laughs> and really didn't want to. <laughs> like it's, it can be, or it can be both things. Yeah. <laughs> like it can definitely be both things. It can serve both purposes. Um, and I didn't know that Aladdin was his last one, but yeah. it makes sense because there's a big gap between Aladdin and Lion King. It's like maybe two or three years between those two. Um, and Lion King, they bring in Elton John mm-hmm. and Tim Rice, I believe, mm-hmm. um, to do that. But yeah, that relationship, that that duo is like you know prolific the foundation of modern disney is built on those three movies totally it was i did not know that it was really interesting and alan menken was lovely Uh, there's just a ton of interviews and stuff and Mm -hmm. he was like because um howard did not tell many people for a very long time that he was sick for a couple years um he in probably the pinnacle of him dealing with his mortality and stuff before he kind of accepts it more. Um, poor Alan Menken was like, he would get so angry. And Alan Menken would be like, 
when they were collaborating, mm-hmm. I would make him be like, I just need a moment. And he would like step aside. He's like, and then I would cry because I thought he was oh, mad no. at me. <laughs> and he didn't want to like collaborate with me anymore. Uh, but it turns out he was just going through these horrible personal things mm-hmm. and just wasn't telling anybody. Like the struggle of genius combined with like, you know, a life-threatening illness. Yeah. Like. Oh my God. God. Um, but it was just so interesting because um, he went in there and just um, taught people just like, oh yeah, you kind of need like, you know, like your hero song and just like the very like foundational basic things that you see now in every single yeah. Disney movie of just like, yeah, you have to come in and do this. And it was so obvious to him and came so naturally to him and everyone else was like, oh, that's a, that's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> we need to do this now. Yeah, right, right, right. yeah sure. <laughs> like uh, writing these down. Yeah. Um, I, what I'm curious about, I, I don't know if it's a, is, is it just a one part film or is it yeah, a series? Yeah, it's just an hour and a half. Do they talk at all about like, you know, um, Alan Megan coming back after, like doing his first Disney movie after uh, his partner pa- passes away? Because I think he, I believe he comes back for Hercules. It's like the first one he does without his writing partner, I think. Oh, no. I mean, because I'm, I'm curious, like, what is that? How do you do it after, like, you know, your friend and, and partner, like, passes away? Yeah, especially when you you were so successful. Too. Yeah. So successful. And, like, Hercules was successful, but, like, you know, those three that are, like, the big three. Yeah. The classics. Yeah. Yeah. Very curious. Yeah, no, it ends with him dying, um, I think either just before Beauty and the Beast had been released or like it had been released, but he had been in the hospital for a while. So mm-hmm. he wasn't able to see it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he never got to see Aladdin, which is too bad. Cause that movie's awesome. It's great. That's yeah. my favorite of those, like three of the, like, the starting Disney ones. Yeah, I think so. I mean, the music in that is just so good. Music's amazing. And like Robin Williams, and like, that's, the performance. Thing. like that's what you remember for those movies. Like you don't remember like the plot or whatever is like, yeah. pretty basic but yeah robin williams as a genie and then everything else is just the music from those movies not like this was a great character yeah <laughs> yeah because like a lot of the, mo- the music is like big 1920s like swing band like ragtime type stuff it's whatever it's like so great it's really fun yeah Ugh, i gotta watch it now it was really good really interesting um and kind of heartbreaking but what a talented awesome guy howard okay. howard yeah um I don't really have anything else. It's not a really self-indulgent movie. Oh. Uh, it feels like a shame to even talk about it after we had that great conversation about Howard. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. But now I'm interested. Uh, it's called Motherless Brooklyn. It's directed by Edward Norton. And it's not good. <laughs> I definitely heard of it. It's so self-indulgent. It's just... That sounds like a real pattern for Edward Norton. He was. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know him personally, but he seems to be pretty... uh, He likes to drink his own Kool-Aid, it sounds like. Yeah. Not that he's not a smart and talented person, because he is. But like, all right, Edward. He wanted to make a 1940s, like, you know, detective noir, and he did. And it's... The main character has a stutter, and it's very distracting. Is he uh, the main not character? a stutter, excuse me. Uh, he has Tourette's, and they don't have like, oh. a definition for what that is in 1948. Yeah. Um, you would probably just get locked up somewhere. Yeah. And like, is he also performing in it? He's performing it. He's the main character. Of course he is. Um, <laughs> of course um, he is. And like, the cast is pretty amazing. It's like uh, Bobby Cannavale, oh. uh, Bruce Willis, um, oh. Gugu Mbatha Ra. I love her. Uh, 
Alec Baldwin, Willem Dafoe. Jesus Christ. It's a stat cast, Ethan Suple. Like, it's got a lot of people in it. Oh, I like him. He's really good in it. But, like, he's a detective that works for a detective agency run by Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis is killed. Um, And he's taking it on himself to find out why his boss slash father figure was killed. Gotcha. Um, And it's leading to this whole corruption scandal that, like, goes all the way to the top, which is, Follow the money, baby. Yeah. And, like... They're trying to blend in themes of, like, race. Oh, It's mostly a parallel to, like, you know, Robert Moses, who, like, built a lot of things in New York City, but was also not a nice or good dude. Okay. And it's just, like, you're putting a lot on the table. This movie's two and a half hours long. Oh, no. (laughs) You got me here all day. Michael Michael Kenneth Williams is in it. He's really good in it, too. It has so many. um, Scar Across His Face was Omar on the Wire. okay, gotcha. Um, He's awesome. There's so many people in it. And everyone's doing a good job acting. It's just like, why are we here for two and a half hours? This and the- <laughs> guys, <laughs> Kenneth, Alec, why are we here for two and a half hours? Do you know why? It feels like being called into a meeting at work about nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Is what this movie felt like. <laughs> like, oh, I love seeing all you guys. I love my coworkers. But why the fuck are we here? Jesus. <laughs> Edward Norton walks in, closes and locks the door, and you're like, oh, we're fucked. Oh, my gosh. Shit. Oh, God. <laughs> like, he brought us slides. Like, I like Ed, but when he gets into his slides, Jesus oh, no. Christ. <laughs> when is lunch? Like, oh, we're they're bring, they're having lunch delivered. Fucking great. <laughs> <laughs> it's salads? <laughs> fuck you. I fucking hate Ed. <laughs> God. <laughs> like, it's it, it feels like that the entire time you're oh, watching it. <laughs> I mean, it kind of lost me at Motherless Brooklyn as a title. They say the it's title a very, of it's the a, movie. No! Yeah. No! Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that no should go across the Grand Canyon. Birds should fly away. <laughs> that no goes into outer space. <laughs> I Oh, it's such like a a very righteous like whatever title that i was just like as soon as i heard it and i saw it was edward norton i was like i'm out guys it's such a writery like i am a writer yes. and i have themes and <laughs> metaphor to get across guys get ready for the symbolism like, uh, okay oh ed <laughs> but yeah that was my list brooklyn <laughs> <laughs> Because I'm never going to watch this terrible movie. Who kills Bruce and why? Uh, it was eventually Alec Baldwin's people that killed him. It had to be. It was always going to be a, something to do with Alec Baldwin. He's never a good guy. Yeah. like, And uh, because he found out that like you know, uh, Alec Baldwin is a racist that had a child out of wedlock who was Guguma Bathara. Okay. Um, and Willem Dafoe plays uh, Baldwin's brother who's trying, who hid the fact that you know Baldwin was the girl's dad. Mm-hmm. But is now realizing, you know, the error of that and is trying to, like, you know, take his brother down. Oh, okay. So, there's that. It's probably another twist in there, but I don't care. Gotcha. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't care. (laughs) You said that, and it didn't quite go in, and then it hit me. Because I was too busy still thinking about Willem Dafoe playing a good guy. (laughs) He's such a cantankerous person. He steals bread throughout the movie. Um... (laughs) He's, Why? He's like destitute. His brother ruined him. Uh, Is Alec Baldwin like a politician or something? He's like a politician slash city planner. Okay. And like, you know, pretty much runs the city. Gotcha. He has more power than the mayor or something like that. Gotcha. 
one of those typical characters. Yeah, you know, those engineers with all the power. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> which isn't a thing. But. So now Willem Dafoe is stealing bread Aladdin style. Yes. Uh, he shows up to... Several times in the movie, he's showing up to functions like, what do you guys have to eat? Like, oh, no. Oh, not Wally I will the phone. He just turns into the Green Goblin. <laughs> flies away with a fucking baguette. That is one of my favorite performances of his of all time. It's him being his ultimate like self. That, ma- that mask is his face, and that is what is the most disconcerting about it of all. It is just his face, but green. Like, there's no difference. He's so self-realized. It's amazing. <laughs> you want to see real joy in a man? You got to watch Spider-Man 1. <laughs> Imagine being that free in life, that you could just be yourself on screen. <laughs> a mask made of your face that looks exactly like your yes. face, but green. <laughs> You're always crouching. <laughs> just, just surfing through life. Yes. Oh, God. <laughs> if, if only we could all be willing to bow. If only. <sighs> well, that's all I got, really. Cool. <laughs> Ending on a high. I like it. Um, I hope you guys uh, enjoyed the episode. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, of course, um, we'll be back with you next time. Go follow us on Instagram or something. Oh, I got to be better about Instagram. I'll get on that. We both do. I don't know. Uh, at ONR Podcast. Uh, yeah. Thanks for listening. It'll just be pictures of Will and Defoe now. <laughs> <laughs> and just side by side of like, which one's the Greek Goblin and which one is him in regular life. You'll be, I can't tell. You'll be wrong each time. <laughs> it's the same. It's a trick. Anyways, thank you. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>